Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm Glenn Fitzgerald. That's me. That's what I said. Yes. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I can confirm that that is, in fact, Glenn Fitzgerald. It's me. The fingerprinting process for this podcast has really paid off. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I can't see Glenn, but I can hear him, and it sounds like Glenn, so I, I corroborate this. Could be a Glenn Poster. We just like to keep it scientific. Totally. We right. like to have the empirical evidence. Sure. So, emergency, nonsense. Nope, I'm good to go. Let's do it. Let's go get on. into All it. All right, well. I well, like just getting started. I like getting to the wisdom. Where systems go, dude? Getting right into it. All right, our first question comes in this week. Seriously? Yep, no, go. Go for it. First question comes in this week anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, I've been reading about soul ties and nope. giving away nope. pieces nope. of your nope. heart. No, no, we cancel that. That's over now. Because I don't know if you know this. We started a new thing here on our podcast where we started explaining that when God comes into our life, he fills our hearts so our hearts are whole. He restores us and makes us whole again. That's that's almost like good news, Glenn. It is, and the problem with that good news is we can't use it to manipulate anybody with weird nonsense. <laughs> but Glenn, sometimes I have coffee with people, so clearly that is a more powerful force than the living God coming into my heart. It would seem like that if you don't ever think about it at all and listen to certain people. Yes. But that's not how life works. Would these be certain people who have big fat book contracts? Yes. Well, mm. I, I'm I for one, I'm seeing a bit of a disconnect here between you know what what you're saying, Glenn, yeah. and what the people with the big fat book contracts are saying. And I just don't know who to believe. Right. So their jeans are so tight, it lends them credibility. You know, I mean, yeah. they have they're they're wearing fedoras, Glenn. Yeah. That's how you know it's good. Their t-shirts are so sparkly. I mean, you know, it's got Ed Hardy and his whole thing. <laughs> I they need, don't sell those to just anybody. Not at all. <laughs> I need to go ahead and declare an emergency. Whoa. I want you to state your case. Yes. Convince me right. that coffee is not giving away pieces of my heart and that my heart is whole. Well, here's the thing is it's coffee. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> okay. But some people do a special hug. Before they're married. Right. So clearly their heart is wrecked forever and no one will ever love them. That's what the Christian guy said. Yeah. The, well, they're, they're, sometimes when a man and a woman are very close to one another and they hug in certain special, extremely vigorous ways. <laughs> what so pleased with yourself for that. <laughs> he couldn't go on because he was smiling. Uh, when they when they do that special hugging, uh, uh, uh I'm going to keep it clean and just turn the corner from Good there. Man. Going for the hard R. <laughs> and, uh, here's what I'm saying. Jed's is never helping. He's never, ever helping. <laughs> here's what happens is uh, th this is uh, people get confused and they think what happens is uh, you do you can make some sort of mistake with, with your dating life, with what you're doing, and God can never fix that and you can never come back from that. And that's uh, not in the Bible. It's not uh, theologically sound at all. It's not doctrinally sound at all. It's very, 
uh, is suggestive of, of actually some stuff that's really pretty bogus because, you know, when God says, I can make your heart whole, when, I, uh, when he says, I can come in uh, and fill you to the uttermost, uh, we, we want to believe him uh, and stand on his promises rather than say, oh, you know, uh, you know, uh, all this stuff. Somehow, if you make one mistake with your dating life, then you're stuck forever. Well, now, do you have, because, you know, I believe the Bible. Oh. I don't know about you guys. Sure. That's what I do. Right. Do you have Do you have a Bible verse to back up your claims, Mr. Fitzgerald? Well, I'm going to, let me think about it. Okay. Just, just <laughs> off the cuff, just off the top of your head. Okay, I've thought about it. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1. This is a message translation. Long before, this is, we were talking about God now. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Deal with that. That's in the Bible. Okay, but what if I had sex before the Earth's foundations were laid down? Well, that's a good point. That's a a good trick. If I had pre-creation coffee date, then I would still have given away pieces of my heart. Well, I think um, the problem with doing special hugging before the foundations of the Earth are laid is kind of how would you do it? (laughs) Because there would be no you. Well, you, you and you'd but have so great is my sin. I can find a way. Scientifically, if you don't have any gravity, Jed, yeah. that's holding you down to the Earth's foundations, then it's going to be hard to do special hugging, right? Because you know you'd, you you well, you. Let's you'd, not get too much into the uh, physics and tr- disease of special hugging. I'm, I'm just, just trying, trying to, to learn, man. Let me just tell you that the rest of the internet is where you learn that. <laughs> this podcast is for other things. <laughs> We're just trying to keep it scientific, y'all. Okay. So you have on your side, because again, we're trying to break this down for me. Right. I'm confused. You, I don't know what to think. You got to have gravity in order to have sex. I'm clear on that. Okay. That much we've established. Right. But you. So many millions of dollars of scientific grant money. <laughs> I mean, that I'm, I'm tracking on. Right. I feel, I feel like we've established that. We yes. can go ahead and say in all scientific circumstances that we can measure. Yes. You, you probably have to have gravity to have sex. So we yeah. got that. Yeah. Check. But now you're claiming that the almighty God of the universe who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, mm-hmm. that that is enough to make my heart whole no matter what. Right. And that I am made whole as a Christian. Yeah. Therefore, all of this is bogus and nonsense and yeah. an affront to God's mercy. Yes. And you have a Bible verse to back it up. That's correct. But Glenn, I got to be honest with you. When I look at you, I don't see a fedora. Right. I don't see a sparkly T-shirt, and I, I definitely don't see skinny jeans. That's, that is entirely true, and I don't even have any kind of a book contract. Well, you see, Glenn, the thing that the some of the people who say the other side of this, who don't have Bible verses, yeah, but that's okay because look over there, yeah, is that they have thousands of people come to their church, yeah, and as we know yeah. from the Bible. It's the number of people who you have come to your church is how legit you are. Yes. That's why Jesus had 12,000 disciples. Because <laughs> otherwise, yeah. if he only had like a dozen people, he'd be some kind of who, and who's buying that guy's book. Well, that's true. That's why Paul said Timothy and Silas 
and you other 2,000 people that I'm discipling at once, because you can <laughs> disciple thousands of people at one time. That's totally a thing that can happen. Right. Am I, get, am I getting my Bible wrong? Yeah, I think some of those details are off Some of those a numbers little. might be inflated? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I got to ask. I mean, you know, it's it's looking like, and again, I'm loath to say it because right. I really feel like if you could be delivering this information to me with more of just a, a jaundice and mm. just a general, you know, just, you know, you just, yeah. I don't even care. Just some it. serious contempt. Yeah. I mean, that would really, you know. If I could just guilt you on some level, just. Contempt would, thinly veiled as empathy. That'd be the best. Mm. A lot of, I'm just sorry that you're such a whore. <laughs> That's really, that's really wow. the message I want to bring to you. Oh my gosh! Wow. I'm sorry that you're such wow. a whore. Now, what this? That Bless was your whorish heart. That, oh, wow. Okay, for those of you who are putting composing your hate mail email to that sure that at missionusa.com. That was Matthew King. Yes. Now I don't know who he's been hanging around. That would Scoff cause laws. him to do that. And I declare a secondary emergency. Sir, secondary emergency. Emergency. Here's what I'm trying to say right now, and this is shocking. And it may be directly related to Matt's dirty, <laughs> dirty mouth. Yes. That's a potty mouth, Matthew. Is That's true. As we speak, Matthew King has shorn his beard. That's yes, true. he has. That's true. It's an emergency, y'all. It is an emergency. emergency. He didn't even check in with us. All of a sudden, no that beard. That just happened. Yeah. Like that was my decision or something. Who do I think I am? Yeah, yes, who yeah. do you think you are? Your parents made a Nazarite vow before God <laughs> to never cut a hair on your head, Matthew Paul. That's and, probably not accurate. And look at what Parents happens. aren't exactly church folk. He's sh- uh, right now, there's thousands of women crying into their iPod right now. Inaccurate. Because they, you know, the, they're, they're into the beard. They, they felt a disturbance in the force, man. Yeah. There they were, just hanging out, you know, listening to the Avet brothers, you know yeah. I mean? Sure. You know, so much flannel. So much flannel. And then there's just like, oh, something, something terrible has happened. Like a thousand <laughs> tiny hairs screamed out. Sure. <laughs> Either someone has shaved or someone broke a banjo. Oh, the Jedi's are certainly going to feel this one. Yeah. And see, this would have disturbance in the Mumford verse. <laughs> <laughs> he shaves the beard and next thing you know, potty mouth. Sure. Okay. Any other time we'd be recording this I was about to say filming this podcast, but we don't do that for we a really lot Nor of shall we. Yes. But normally when we're recording this podcast, you know, Glenn might, you know, engage in some salty talk. You know, I might make an untoward comment. And Matt's really going, Brothers, it is not beneficent for us yes. to carry on sure. in this wrong and evil fashion. Yeah. And he sounds say, just like that. As I look up from my largest of King James Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> And now look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Brought low, not by you and me, Phil. No, Certainly no, not. no, no. But We're just by, doing our thing. By the dastardly instrument of a razor. That's right. I don't even know what we're going to do about this emergency. I don't, I don't even. Is that because you forgot where we were going with it? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me try, as I want to do, to untangle the mess we've all just made with each other. Please yes. do. Okay, so here we got... Shave the beard. Not really much we can do about that. We're going to have to move on from that. It'll yeah. grow back. It'll take care of itself. It'll grow back. Are you sure? As I pointed out to both yes. of these guys, uh, Glenn saw me the day after I was at his house driving something off, and we got the best comment ever, which was, 
So what's with the face? <laughs> but if you want to know what working with, with Glenn is like, that's a pretty good representation. Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably true. So we got that. That'll take care of itself at some point. We got um, people with the soul ties and the pieces of their heart. Well, right. That's crap. Right. Their heart's whole. Yeah. Here, here's my, I have one lingering question that's about that. It's a little that. bit of potty mouth again, but go ahead. Yes. I've, I've ling- I have one lingering question about that. Yeah, yeah. What you're saying is there's a thing that's yeah. not in the Bible uh-huh. that really doesn't help anyone. Right. Isn't, you know, we get messages all day from people want to date, not dating, scared to date. It's, it's right. causing a big problem. But these people keep doing it. Yeah. Why could they, po- what possible reason could someone have to do that? That's a good question. I think they're, that probably they've just made an intense study of scripture. Sure. And decided that was the most biblical thing ever. Well, they're certainly not just trying to make money. No, it's no. not that there was one book by a 19-year-old about this that made a lot of money. And other people, they like money. I that, thought I'll write about that, too. It couldn't be just to get fame and attention. That would be silly. Sure. It's probably just that they went out and got a degree in psychology, studied you know, human relationships, figured out how to get into a counseling ministry that would allow them to have experience counseling couples over long periods of time to figure out what's the best way to establish a solid Christian relationship and a solid Christian marriage. And then they compile all the years and years of personal, direct experience into this book that they wrote. Or they just made up stuff to make people feel like crap so they would buy it. Well, the world may never know. It's one of those two. I guess we're going to have to leave that open-ended. But the thing we know coming out of that is the side of the ledger we're coming down on is the Ephesians 1 for your heart is whole side. Now, the other thing we know about the kids, we talked about, you know, we made the Mumford jokes and the Avid jokes. Yeah. You know what the kids like is moleskins. They do like moleskin. Because every thought <laughs> is more profound when you put it in a moleskin. That's exactly That's right. Well, luckily, it was the journal of, uh, of Picasso, Matt. Well, sure. Therefore, if I write things in that, I'll paint too. I like moles. If you're not writing in your moleskin, are you even having a quiet time? This I is mean, what I want. Wow. Not according to several prominent youth ministries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we know is the thing you may you guys may not know about Lee is he's a man of many talents. He's a he's a pastor, he's a musician, he knows lots of cool stuff. He does some visual art. He's the one who designed the say that logo, lots of cool stuff. Another thing he does is he makes stamps. Right. And Prince, and he, wow. of his own volition, and certainly not because Jed told him to, because we thought of this in advance, printed up some moleskin journals with the Say That logo Wow! and a little My Heart is Whole Ephesians 1-4 logo on mm. the front. Wow. So, But now, Matt, that sounds amazing, and like the kind sure. of thing I would totally want to have. Yeah. If I wanted to have that, how would I get something that cool and that amazing? Well, good news. I'm going to put on my infomercial sweater. Well, you know what was cool about that moment that just happened? It seemed like totally spontaneous. It was totally organic, <laughs> and I don't know why you're making that face. This is the smoothest podcast certainly ever. Not, this certainly wouldn't be the point in these infomercial parody where we cut away to someone in black and white trying to write in a different journal and they're not working. <laughs> you just can't yeah. do it. And then yeah. getting frustrated, like setting it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Here, so here's the deal. We've done this before. We've done it with some T-shirts. We've done it with some bracelets. We don't want to sell you anything, people. 
because that's not right. And also because we're so lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Say so if you want to sell stuff, you got to set up a web store and you got to just taxes. It's, it's very it's complicated. And we, we're really trying to get by on doing the bare minimum here. Yeah. So, but we have Bridgebox. The people enjoy it. We have several right. subscribers, people getting fed. People like it. People learn scripture that way and do the Bible studies in a group and like the songs and listen to the preaching. So here's what we're going to do for a limited time only limited time to be discussed whenever I feel like stop not saying this on the podcast anymore. So probably a month or two. If you sign up for Bridgebox, $8 a month, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, we'll send you one of these journals right to your house for free. Yeah. Wow. And here's the thing you're probably thinking is, but I'm already a Bridgebox subscriber as so many of you are. Here's what we're going to do. You do a one-month gift subscription to someone. So oh. we'll send out a little link about this. We'll put it up with all this stuff, and you say, "I here's so-and-so, good friend, think they'd like a month of Bridgebox. You send that to them. So one-time $8 donation, and we'll send you a little journal as well. Yeah. Wow. That's living. That's business. That's, that's what we're doing. That's a limited edition. Limited time offer. There's only so many of these, and th- when we say... Lee prints them. He literally carves out the stamp. Wow. And then presses the ink on it and then sets it at the church he works at to dry. So it's a lovely process, but it's it's labor intensive. There was time and effort that went into these. Many, many moles died. <laughs> to give this journal life. To give this journal no life. No moles were harmed in the making of the Say That journals. So get with the journaling while the getting's good. Indeed. Limited <laughs> time only. You know you want to you know you've been thinking about signing up for Bridgebox. You thought, I gotta pick my moment. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Eight dollars a month. MissionUSA.com slash bridgebox. All right. Now a question that hopefully Glenn will not veto, as he did, that totally spontaneous and unscripted vetoing of that first question that just happened to lead to us plugging a product. Wow, this is... That was lucky. It's just so real. <laughs> Who knows how we, how we would have mentioned it if that hadn't spontaneously happened. All right, first question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, what would you say about not telling someone your feelings when you go to the same church in order to avoid potential drama within the church? Jed, can you kick us off? Well, it's a good question, and we appreciate you writing in. Um, the answer is it depends, uh, and, and it depends on a lot of things and, um, and what you mean. So, for example, if you're saying um, I'm a person who regularly um, has kind of baseless feelings that maybe spring from insecurity— and so maybe I should keep those to myself instead of inflicting them on other people uh, in my church, then then probably, yeah, that... And could you also teach other people how to do that? Because that, be, that would be really good. Um, if, if what you're saying is I'm working through stuff in my life and I need a safe place to be able to vent about that and, and get things out in the open, but I don't want to be a burden to people... Well, that's a different thing entirely. Uh, The truth is that all of us um, need a place where we can be honest, where we can be open, where we can be vulnerable. Uh, Now, that might not be at the Sunday morning worship service, because I'm not entirely sure how that would work anyway, Um, but you do need people in your life that are holding you accountable, that you're uh, being open with and honest with and vulnerable with, and hopefully at least some of those people would be people from your church. Um, And that's not being a burden, and that's not causing drama. We we all, in order to grow, we need, you know, a safe place uh, to to share. Now that we've said that, let's say this. Church is—church is made up of broken people. 
It's made up of human beings. Yes. And um, there's always going to be disagreements. There's always going to be misunderstandings. There's always going to be uh, conflict. That's just a part of life in a fallen world and of, of fallen people trying to coexist in the same space. I think the real question is, how are we going to handle it? Uh, are we going to handle when those things inevitably come up? Are we going to handle those things like adults? Or are we going to handle those things like children? Um, and we need to be clear on what the difference is. Adults talk things out. They see if there's anything to be done. Is, is there an actual problem here? And they find a way to resolve it. And then they all move on. That's, that's how grown people handle their business. The way that children handle their business is it's a lot of he said, she said, and I heard that he told you to tell his cousin to tell me that he didn't like that thing you said, and I'm mad. I'm not going to youth group anymore, but then he's not going to go to the small group, but I don't know what pastor's going to think. Well, nothing ever gets solved that way, that, and that is drama. That, that is a problem. Right. If you have, you're going, if you're involved in a church, if you're in any way involved in body life, your problems are going to come up. That's, that's inevitable. If you're handling those again, like an adult, if you're saying, here's what we're dealing with, um, how do we get on the same page here? If you're taking ownership of areas where you're wrong. You know, say, hey, I feel this way, but I'm not right about it. Um, I'm, I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have a point. I just have a lot of feelings about it. Right. You know, um, if you're taking responsibility, if you're if you're taking action, that's great. That's that's the best you can hope for. But again, the the thing that I want to be very clear on is you do need a place in your life where you're sharing your feelings. You you need that. You need particularly if you're a person who's trying to move forward in your walk. You need people you can be honest with, people you can be vulnerable with. And as one final thing before I throw it back to Matt, if you look at someone and you say, if I shared my feelings with them, drama might pop off, then they probably shouldn't be on the list of people you're being open with. Uh, there's, there's people that can handle um, your interior life and be cool about it, and there's people who can't. Um, and there's not a good reason to share what's going on inside of you with folks who can't be cool about it. But there are people who can, and you want to find those people. That's a great point. Lee? Yeah, so, um, okay, and I love everything that Jed said there. I agree with it 100%. Um, I'm just going to step out on a limb here and uh, just make a little prophecy that, that when you're talking about telling someone your feelings, that you're talking about uh, somebody that you like, like you like like them. Um, this, is a, this is a situation where you want to be in a relationship with somebody, but maybe they just stopped and you know maybe it's a youth group or something like that, and they just recently stopped dating somebody else, and so now you got to figure out, well, how do I tell this guy that I like him when he just started, when he just got out of a relationship with so-and-so that's in the youth group and stuff like that. Well, here's the thing is, and this is kind of what, uh, a part of what Jeb was talking about. And that is just that grown people say what they feel. They are not afraid to say exactly what they feel to someone. And if you like, if you've got feelings for somebody and you want to be in a relationship with them, then what you need to do is you need to sit down with that person and tell them exactly where you stand and, and say, I don't want to play games. I don't want to cause any drama. I don't want to pit anybody against anybody else. This is the way I feel. Where are you on your, you know, on your desire to be in a relationship? Are you hurting from the last one, whatever? Or do you just want to hang out? Do you want to, I mean, look, nothing serious. Let's hang out. Let's go on a date. Let's go get a cup of coffee, maybe watch a movie or something like that. Let's go get some ice cream. If you have a situation where you like somebody and you want to tell them, the best thing to do is to tell them exactly what you're feeling. I mean, the, the, the reason that we have 
the kinds of drama that Jed's talking about is that people are afraid to go up to the person that they have feelings for and tell them that they have feelings for them. And that's because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of the risk of not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Is this relationship going to work? Am I going to get my heart broken and stuff like that? If this is about a kind of a romantic dating situation, my advice is tell this person exactly how you feel. Lay the cards on the table so that you can avoid the kind of drama and the kind of gossip and the kind of, because then you can stand by whatever comes up and say, look, the only thing I ever did was say exactly how I feel and, and, uh, and lay it all out on the table because I didn't want any of that drama. So uh, I would not be afraid to say what it is you want, say the thing that you're feeling. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I, I'm going to kind of take uh, uh, yet another look on this thing uh, in terms of, you know, just trying to cover more ground. And I'm wondering, is there a chance that uh, when you talk about not not talking about your feelings, that might be a conflict that you're having with someone else there in the church and you, you don't want to Tell them that 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 those feelings of conflict that you have, uh, if maybe that's another you know possible explanation of of what's going on here. And here's what I would say about that of of sort of confronting people where you have a conflict with them and you're concerned about drama, is that uh, to start with a very very simple prayer: Is this me or is this them? Now the thing is about that is an overwhelming percent of the time people don't pray that prayer. Yeah. They don't ask God, is this me or is it them? Because as long as it's, a, as it's a mystery, I don't have to do anything about it. Maybe we're both wrong. <laughs> what was that, Jed? Would you like to repeat that, Jed? Through the if biggest... that wisdom sounds more sour cream and onion flavored than normal, <laughs> I mean, I mean, because he... Jed is now speaking to us through chips. His his mouth is completely impacted with <laughs> chips, and he wanted to capture that moment anyway, so he just went for it. I went for it, and I stand by that decision. <laughs> Here's the thing is, I... If only Jed had prayed a prayer about whether or not that was wrong before he decided to jump in. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, a, a huge percentage of the time, I try to uh, get that prayer off. Lord, is it me or is it them? And here's the thing about that is a shockingly large percentage of the time, it is me. You know, the Lord come back and say, no, that's you. You've got to, you have a bad attitude. And that's actually uh, sort of oddly good news because I can control me. I can, I can deal with my bad attitude. Uh, and that gives me a, a, a direct sense of what to do about it. Well, let's say you bounce that off the Lord and you find out, no, this is this is unacceptable behavior, this is wrong behavior, this is behavior that's going to cause a breakdown uh, in the dynamic, this sort of the social dynamic there of the church. Here's the main thing I would tell you about dealing with relationships within the church and somebody's doing something they shouldn't quite be doing. The decision that you're making, you're making for the next person as well that this person's in, in, in dealing with in other words if 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 this guy's being a jerk to you and you decide to be christian about it he's going to go on and be a jerk to the next person so you're making this decision not just for you you're making that decision for the next person you're going to pass this dude on to the next one and let them deal with this problem you have to ask yourself whether that's a legit choice or whether that's a christian choice uh sometimes you know uh what this guy's doing or this gal is doing is bogus and 
and yet it's not the right time to confront them. And sometimes that happens. But by and large, if your goal is I want to prevent drama, here's how you prevent drama is you find out right away, is this me or is it them? And if it's them, you, you go in there quick, you go in there early, you go in there uh, smoothly, lovingly, gently, but you nip that in the butt. And cold. Yeah, you, this is not an emotional journey here. I'm not tippy-toeing around your emotions. I'm not asking you to validate my emotions. This isn't an emotional journey. This is me saying, dude, you know that ain't right. You know you can't be doing that here. You know you got to shift this into neutral. You know you're driving us all nuts. So what can I do to help you? Because we can't go on like this together, you and I. We got to do something new here. This ain't going to get it. You can do that. And you can be sweet behind that. You can be loving behind that. And I think you should be. You know, you know, do, do that confrontation as, in, in as lovely a pa- fashion as possible. Uh, but if you want to reduce the drama, do that quick before you, you get so overwhelmed that, that you can't set those emotions aside. That's a great point. All right, we can move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, I met a couple who were Jehovah's Witnesses, and after figuring out that I was Christian, they tried to convert me with lots of scripture that I couldn't debate back. Something just rings wrong, though I can't really debate back with scripture about the Trinity or where is heaven or what's going to happen with my body and soul. I just know that Jesus is awesome, and frankly, I don't really care about those answers. Should I, though? Should I debate back, or should I just answer no. with a polite no thank you? You'll get your turn. <laughs> Lee, start us off. Uh, well, uh, you know, the the shortcut is Glenn's exactly right. There's You don't owe anybody a debate on anything. And here's the thing. Nobody ever became a Christian who loved Jesus by, uh, by being overpowered in a really good debate. Like, you just... Amen. By, by your mental powers... And your command of the English language, you convince them by fine-sounding arguments to become a Christian. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, you know that when we were with you, we didn't come with fine-sounding arguments, but with the power of God. We never tried to debate anybody. I mean, that's the way the Apostle Paul talks. This was, when God moved, it was because the power of God moved and changed people's hearts and broke people's hearts and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't because we, with fine-sounding arguments, convinced anybody. So that's a pointless endeavor. You're not going to convince anybody. Somebody that is a Jehovah's Witness or something like that, they are on a mission to uh, get in your face and mess up what you think about Jesus. You don't have to listen to them. Somebody actually came to our door uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and he was at the door, and he, and he came out, and uh, Christy opened the door, and I saw him holding his literature, which uh, Jehovah's Witnesses always have literature. They have they have uh, magazines that they that they're trying to sell you. And and he says, I want to talk to you today about prayer. And I said, Nope, no thanks. And I closed the door. Period. And that was the end of it. And I guess he went on to the next house. Because I know that if we engage in some kind of conversation, I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change my mind. And as you say, here's what I love about what you say in the question. You say, I know Jesus is awesome. And frankly, I don't even care about that other stuff that I don't you know, know how to answer. I think that's great. When it comes right down to it, a Jehovah's Witness... They don't know if they're saved. They don't know if they get to be in the 144,000, as they call it, the people that they consider saints. 
They don't know if the Holy Spirit lives in their heart. They don't know if they're forgiven of their sins. And these are things that you know all. Like you know all those things. You know if you know Jesus that you get to go to heaven. You know you are saved. You know he calls you one of his holy ones, one of his saints. You know you are a child of God. You know you have him. You know you belong. You've got, they can't make you an offer. You've already got everything. So you don't, as you say, Jesus is awesome. You don't need to, to, to try to figure out all this other stuff they want to confuse you with. You don't need to debate anybody. You don't owe that to anybody. And it's never convinced anybody anyway. So yeah, just, just don't engage. That's a great point, Glenn. Yeah, let me approach it in this way. I want you to imagine what the devil's plan is with this. Because let's say um, that the strategy that the devil has decided to come up with here is how can I distract Christians from talking to people about Jesus that are open to it, that are receptive to it, that are waiting to hear this word, that are, are, are desiring to hear it? How do I take them off of that? that thing, I, I, I engage them in, in this intellectual debate that strokes their ego, that makes them feel like they're contending for the faith in this amazing way that, that, that becomes sort of this ego-driven, I'm going to be amazing here, and to tie up their time. I, th- I don't know how much um, how, of my conversation with Christians involves this. I'm in this jacked up church, but I'm staying there to try and help them. I had these jacked up relationships, but I'm staying in it to try and help them. That always works. I, you know, uh, I, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses are coming to my thing, but I'm trying to witness to them. This has nothing to do with my hero complex and low self esteem at all. Why would you even say that? Yeah. It, it, are any of these people open for help? Are any of these people asking for help? If the answer to those two questions is no, then you are you are in a position where you're moving around someone who's open to hear the gospel to get to someone who isn't. That's the kind of thing I think the devil would set up. I don't want to play into that. I, I don't have time for that. I there are people right now that are open to hearing right. the gospel. And those are the ones we got we gotta start there. If we got time for Jehovah's Witnesses, then we'll get to that. You are absolutely right. The person who is writing this question, who is awesome, has the exact right attitude. You have an you have a relationship with God that's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the head. You can't explain it. You can't make sense of it. You can't debate it because it's it's not that kind of deal, dude. You're you're absolutely right, and you should stick by your guns and say, "Hey, I love Jesus. I can't tell you why. I just love him. That's it, dude. That's it. I'm happy with it. I know what's up. I know he's real. I know what he's put on my heart." That's it. I can't know it for you, but I also can't debate it to you. I can't make sense of it to you. The love that I have for God makes no sense. It is crazy. It is weird. It is out of control. It is doing things in my life and making me do good things and unselfish things that I never would have otherwise done. It's made me a better person in ways that I, I can't explain to you. So that's how this goes. You're right to not get into those debates. And then my, for my final point, I'm going to just quickly, as quick as I can, blow through uh, four verses. And this is Paul and Timothy. The first one is 1 Timothy 6.4, uh, talking about these kind of people. They are conceited and understand nothing. They have unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions. 2 Timothy 2.14 
Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. 2 Timothy 2.23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.24, the, the next verse right there after it, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance and leading them to a knowledge of the truth. If you're quarreling, people, you are not doing what this Bible is trying to tell you to do. It's trying to say you got to love these people, and that love is drawing them in. That love is attracting them, and you and you got to start with people that are hungry and open. Absolutely, Judd. Yes. Well, these brothers have already nailed it. So let me add one more thing. Being a Christian is not about being the smartest guy in the room. Hello. Hello. We say it again. Being a Christian is not about being the smartest guy in the room. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. He did not say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have the smartest, most bulletproof answers to difficult questions. The proof's in the love. You will know them by their rhetoric. Here's the thing. There are a ton of people who are atheists or agnostic who are way smarter than me. Um, that's just the way it is. Richard Dawkins, the guy is an Oxford Don. I'm sure he is significantly smarter than me. I, I, I mean, just in terms of raw intelligence, I'm sure he is. You know, Daniel Dennett, I'm, I'm sure he is. Um, you know, there, there are plenty, and, and particularly as you, you know, read through history, there are plenty of people that have uh, been virulently against Christianity and the idea of God who are brilliant people, and many of whom were way, way, way smarter than me. So what do I do with that? What I do with that is to recognize that my faith is not built on my intellect. Yep. My faith is built on the fact that I was a mess, and Jesus came and changed me. Yes. That is not an intellectual thing. Now, my intellect can and should enter into that, and it should be a part of the way that I love God. In fact, we're commanded to love the Lord our God with all our mind. But my moment of coming to faith had nothing to do with my intellect. It, it had to do with the fact that I was broken and Jesus fixed me. That's, that's how I came to faith, and I bet that's how you came to faith too. Now understand that we are blessed in Christianity to have some very, very brilliant Christians. You know, there's people like Augustine, people like C.S. Lewis. Uh, in terms of people today, we're all close friends with a, a woman who's one of the leading molecular geneticists in the world, an incredibly, incredibly brilliant woman. Yes. But what any of those people would tell you is, I follow Jesus not because I have a maximum strength brain and I thought it through and it was the right answer. It's because I was messed up and Jesus loved me. Right. Actually, to that point, the woman you're talking about was up here visiting us in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and was talking to one of our staff people, mentioning that she actually lectures at some very prestigious Christian colleges about uh, balancing science and faith. And there have been like peer-reviewed academic studies on scientists and faith, and none of them who don't believe in God believe that because of science. Yeah. She said the number one thing that they have, the number one issue they have is how is there suffering in the world? Yeah. If there's a good God. And that's the same issue that high school sophomores I've talked to have. So it's not about, just to prove your point, that it's it's not really about that. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. The thing is, and I wouldn't use the phrase pissing contest on this podcast because that would be vulgar and Super too wrong. far. That's the kind of thing that 
probably Matt would say. Now that he doesn't have a beard. Kind of thing. Beard, old beardless Matt, we call him. Yeah. So I will instead use the phrase peeing contest. That's that's, that's a good better. job there. Because that's, you know, I have restraint and a beard. Sure. Right. Those two things go together. Um, the truth is debates are all academic peeing contests. Hello. All of them. It's about proving who's smarter. And you want to know how I get out of debates? I admit you're smarter than me. You win. I don't care. They can't beat you if you forfeit. I forfeit. You're smarter than me. Have it. You've read more books than me. You've had more deep thoughts than me. Have it. Meanwhile, I'm going to go help people and have an amazing life and be loved by Jesus. Right. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. Uh, you have a choice. You can't be tied up in a debate and going and having an amazing life where you're helping people and experiencing Jesus' love at the same time. Uh, you you got to do one or the other. Um, I know which one I'm doing. It's cool that you're smarter than me. I wish you all the best. But, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to do the same thing. Jesus is calling you to love people, not to be the smartest guy in the room. Absolutely. All right. Moved to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, Hello, I was wondering about your views of homosexuality. Do you think that being gay is a sin? I used to have very conserv- a very conservative view on this topic, but now, after actually getting to know some people who are gay, oh. imagine that, my viewpoint is beginning to shift, and I'm not quite sure what I think anymore. Basically, my question is this. Where is homosexuality discussed in the Bible, and how does that apply to us today? Glenn, can you kick us off? Yes, I've said this from the pulpit uh, in public, and I have said this on the podcast before. Uh I love gay people. Jesus loves gay people. And if you don't like that, you can meet me and Jesus in the parking lot. Sure. That's how this goes. The internet parking lot. The parking lot of the internet. Which I believe is Reddit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But here's the thing about that is um, uh, the the Bible, and and these brothers can give you some specific examples of this, but the Bible does mention homosexuality as a sin. It absolutely does. Um, it's, it's, uh, if I could be deadly honest with you, just person to person, it's probably one of those top five verses in the Bible that when I get to heaven, I'll say, what was, what exactly was this about? You know, I, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I know God has his purposes behind that and whatever it is. Uh, so it's there. None of that explains what has gone wrong with Christians and it. Thank you, dude. Hello. Okay. Um, let me tell you what is definitely, definitely a sin you don't want to get into. It's saying this person committed this specific kind of sin, and now they're in a different category as me. If you, if you have that mentality, you are in deep, deep theological doo-doo on that. That is a big time no-no to say this sin uh, uh, sort of breaks all the rules. These these people are, you know, we're going to mark them out, what have you, and say they, they've done something wrong. We don't give, we don't treat people with prejudice uh, uh, that commit other kinds of sexual sins in this way. If we, I, I think what we might want to do just to be thorough about this, it's just everyone who's looked at porn on the internet will just get a big red uh, capital letter P and they can just have that on their chest and wear it around everywhere. And then we'll know because we want to keep our children away from people like that. You know, you, they could be an influence, you know, people who look at stuff on the internet are, are, you know, being little league coaches and girl scout leaders. And, uh, they're, they're, they're coaching our teams in the high schools. And we want to just, we, 
You see what I'm trying to say here? They have an is, agenda, Glenn. They have an agenda. Exactly right. You know. You see, Glenn, that's different because that might affect me negatively. Yes, and yeah, and I think there's a real problem with taking a sin that that where you're creating a prejudice behind a certain group of people. You're taking a sin that you are personally not prone to, and say that makes people really wrong. That is uncool. The clear subtext being because I don't have that one, I'm a little better. Yeah, you asked if if if, if homosexuality is discussed as uh, being a sin in the Bible. It is. Uh, I, and now we could bring people onto this podcast that would split hairs on that. Would you know try and work the definitions in certain directions, and you can get into that. And 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 I'm not trying to tell you not to do it. But what I am trying to tell you about that is that. Um, Everyone on this podcast is a sinner. Yes. And asking, is this thing a sin, is is a bit like um, uh, kind of zeroing in on one thing and saying, if it's a sin, then I have to also swallow all the nonsense that comes with it. And that's what I'm trying to, to jump in here and zero in on, is the attitude that Christians have in this country about homosexuality is more sinful than the homosexuality. That's what I'm trying to put down there. I don't like it. I don't like what it does to people. I don't like the way it alienates people from going to the church. I mean, if you're a gay person and you don't feel like you're welcome in the church, that is a big deal. Everyone put on the brakes. Somebody blow the whistle. Everybody out of the pool. Everything's got to change. There, Sinners are supposed to feel welcome in the church, including the sinner that's talking to you right now. Uh, you have the exact right take on this because you've started – dealing with on a personal one-on-one level with human beings that have struggles and they have issues and they have their own private sex lives and they deal with those issues on that and they're trying to reconcile that with the Lord. And you look at that and say, well, there's nothing wrong with that person. That person's just like me and they're just dealing with what they're dealing with. So what I need to do is love them and I help them and be beside them. That's, you're on the exact right road and, and, and I sense that's the real question behind your question and, and I want to support you in that. Absolutely, Jed. Yeah, uh, real quick, because um, I know we have a wide range of people that listen to this podcast. Um, uh, if you got kids around, why don't you pause for a second and right. listen to the rest of this when you don't have kids around? Because this, this is about to be grown-up time for a second, so um, I'm going to give you a second to do that. Um, just so you know where I'm coming from, um, I uh, many of my closest friends in high school were gay. Mm-hmm. Um um, uh, I have uh, relatives that I love dearly um, who are gay, mm-hmm. um, and um, one and, of the- and uh, just so the people listening to this podcast know, so does everyone else listening to this podcast. Yeah, have relatives yeah. who are gay. Exactly right. Uh, the uh, I have a, a family with a lot of issues. And uh, the only uncle who ever showed any interest in being an uncle to me and in loving me and caring about me is gay. Mm. Um, and if you combined, all of my extended family, in terms of how good they were to me, if you put mm. all of that together, they didn't have a tenth of the goodness that one dude did. Wow. But he was the gay guy. Okay. So, you know, just something to think about. Mm. 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 Um, mm. But, but that's where I'm coming from is I love gay people. Right. Um, and uh, uh, if that is a problem for you, you need, to, you need to find a different podcast to listen to. 
Um, the next thing is you asked, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? The English language is a funny thing, uh, mm-hmm. and our terms get very vague. Here's what the Bible uh, specifically comments on. It comments on same-gender sexual intercourse. Right, exactly. Um, right, right, right. Whether that is homosexuality or not depends on your definition. Right, um, right. Um, what the Bible comments specifically, let me repeat myself, the Bible prohibits same-gender sexual intercourse. Right. That's what the Bible prohibits. That comes up in the Levitical and, and law. And we're talking about consensual stuff, not a, a molestation or rape or any of those things Exactly as right, well. exactly yeah. right. Two grown people, you know, uh, doing that thing. Right. Um, uh, that comes up in the Levitical law. That's in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And you might have heard this before, and it's true. Those are the same books that tell you you can't eat crab. Right. So, right. Um, sure. you know. Mixed fibers. Ex- if you're wearing a cotton poly blend right now, be aware you are in violation of Levitical law, just right. so you know. The one that's a bit more relevant for Christians is the first chapter of Romans. Right. Um, and, and Paul does directly talk about same-gender sexual intercourse. And what he says is that it is a byproduct of a heart that is turned away from God. That's, right. that's what he says about it. Um, now, what do we do with that? The first thing that we do, as Glenn said, is to recognize that what is driving this discussion in, um, definitely in the United States, and I would gather in most of the world, at least in Christian circles, does not have anything to do with the theology of whether or not homosexuality is a sin. Um, Right. What is driving this discussion is two things. One, homophobia in the true sense of the word, Mm -hmm. that we are afraid of this activity, and maybe we're afraid that there's something appealing about it, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to be honest about that. And the other thing that's driving it is we see it as something we don't struggle with. So, right. you know, let's pick on that. Here's why, and part of why I told you to get kids out of the room. Um, I think I can speak for all guys everywhere who have looked at pornography. And when I say all guys everywhere who have looked at pornography, I mean all guys everywhere. Yeah. Right. You have watched porn with two girls in it and you liked it. Right. We're going to be honest right now. You have. Mm-hmm. You're not grossed out by homosexuality. The the pornography industry featuring some of that content is not in failure of going broke. Yeah, no. You've seen it. You know you have. You liked it. You know you did. Um, you're not grossed out by homosexuality. So it's it's time to say. Oh, I think, and I've heard Christians say, "Yeah, I think it's so gross. I think it's just so disgusting." No, you don't. Right. You you think it's great. Mm-hmm. You think it's lovely. You're just hoping nobody finds out. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you one more thing about homosexuality is that Jesus gets the appeal. Right. You may think you don't get the appeal because ghost, I'm not like that. I'm a man. I'm a big man. Jesus gets the appeal. I'll prove it to you. Here's a verse. This is from Hebrews. This is chapter 4. I'm going to be reading you verse 15. For we do not have a high priest. It's talking here about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's right. Jesus gets the appeal. He understands the the things we go through. He understands the things we go through. He understands the draw. He he gets why that feels like a thing, why it seems like a thing. Um, If you're a person who is judging homosexuals, you're wrong. And right. you're in sin. And right. you need to repent of that sin. And that's in the Bible. And that's in the Bible. If you are a person who um, uh, is homosexual, here's what you need to know is Jesus loves you and Jesus understands. Um, he would like at some point to have a conversation about your sex life in the same way that he'd like to have that conversation with every single Christian on the planet, no mm-hmm. exceptions. And just so you know, if you're a gay person and you go to Jesus and say, 
tell me about my sex life and what you want it to be like and what you don't want it to be like. You have instantly jumped into having one of the most holy sex lives of anyone I've ever met. Absolutely right. Because understand, none of these hetero Christians are doing that. Not a single one of them. What Jesus is asking for is lordship today. He's asking for, will you listen to me and let me guide you today? Mm -hmm. If you're a gay person, that might have something to do with your sex life today. It might not. But what he's asking is, will you let me guide you today? Will you yeah. let me? Will you let me call shots for today? If you're willing to do that today, you are as righteous as it can possibly get in your life. If you're a Christian and you're a gay person and you say, you know what, I need to fix this, and then I'll work on stuff. If that's not what Jesus wants you working on today, that's not the right thing to be that's working right. on. That's right. Um, I, I, I want to say one more thing, and then I'll uh, I'll pass it on. If you are not in leadership in a ministry where you're making decisions about other people and kind of trying to assess where the discipleship is at, none of this is your concern. Right. None of this has anything to do with you at all. If you're a church pastor or you lead a ministry, then, you know, there's some more complex things. And if you're in that position, you're wondering about that. Please write us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd, we'd love to talk with you further. But if you are a lay person, you're just, you know, you're helping out, you're around, somebody else's sexuality is not your business. Right. And it doesn't have anything to do with you're, you at all. You're not supposed to go in there and rebuke them and stuff. No. You're, you're supposed to love on them and encourage them the same as you would anybody else. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and that leads to you know, handling your own business. Before you comment on anyone else's sex life, make sure that you're letting Jesus have his say on yours. Yeah. Uh, until yep. that day, yep. you need to have nothing to say about yep. anybody's sex life. Yep, yep. Absolutely, Lee. Well, I, I totally agree with everything that these two brothers have laid down on this. And, and uh, the, I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot left to say, and it's certainly not a whole lot left to say that, that I haven't said before on this podcast, and people who know me have heard me say it too, but it's worth saying again, because one of the things I like about your question is, you not only did you say, where is homosexual, homosexuality discussed in the Bible, you said, and how does this apply to us today, and that is a, a fantastic question, because what Christians do with it is that they say, well, the way it applies is we have to be really, really afraid, yeah. and uh, th- that's kind of the traditional Christian response is we need to be really, really afraid. Are are, are there gay people teaching our children? Are there gay people, uh, you know, on the school board? Are there gay people that are coaching our kids? Are, are th- there's an agenda, as we were talking about before. There's a gay agenda, and it's like you hear all this stuff because people want you to be afraid because they want that they want you to be afraid of something that maybe you don't quite understand because they want your vote. They just want you to be afraid. Hey, and yeah. money. Um, the reason that they want you to be afraid is that if you're afraid and you're listening to their voice and they're the person that are they're the person that's pacifying your fear, then all of a sudden they're in a position to uh, to to garner a vote from you, and that's what they really want is a vote. Okay. Now, the the way that this applies to us today is, as a Christian, as somebody who believes that Jesus is the Lord of this universe, your number one duty is to not be afraid of anything. You don't have anything to be afraid of. There's no person that you need to be afraid of. There's no situation or or stance that you need to be afraid of. There's no even applying back to that other question, uh, you know, uh, about the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's no, uh, you know, some somebody throws a question at you. You don't know how to answer. That's no reason to be afraid. Some verses you don't understand. You don't have to be afraid of that. If you know Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of 
anything. Okay, so anybody that poses some some idea to you, you don't need to be afraid. The main thing that you need to be is you need to be a person who cares about people, a compassionate person who loves people. And I will say this, this is something I've said on the podcast about this issue before, and that is, if anyone, if anyone, Christian or not Christian, wants to get in my face and have a conversation with me position about some kind of position about homosexuality, the number one thing I want to know is, is there somebody in your life that you love, that you have a relationship with, who is gay? If not, yeah. I am not interested in another word you have to say about this, period. Yeah. If you Amen. if you have a position at all, if you have an opinion at all, there better be somebody in your life that you already loved, that you already cared about, that you already would have laid down in traffic for, that you already would have protected, and you would have protected their interests interests and everything because you care about them, you have a relationship with them, your blood with them, whatever that you found out later that they were gay. And you already loved them, and then you found out. And it's like, and if you don't have somebody in your life that you love and care about who, who, who is gay, then I am not interested in your opinion. I am not interested in your fear-mongering. I'm not interested in your conversation about somebody's agenda. Because until you have a face and a name and a beating heart to put behind your opinion, you don't have an opinion. And I think it's important for you to be able to, for the person that asked this question, and for those that are listening to this, it is totally okay for you to be as assertive as that when somebody starts running their mouth. Hey, I'm not interested in your opinion because you don't have any love in this. I don't hear any love Amen. from you. Therefore, I'm done with this conversation. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a totally fine thing to say. You can shut a conversation down. You don't have to listen to somebody fearmonger or, or go off on about agendas or anything like that. You just don't have to listen to it. So the way that applies to us has to do with what these guys are saying and also that, that you just don't have to listen to all the fear and stuff. That's an absolutely great point, and I want to be sure to point out, as I have in the past times we've dealt with this topic on the podcast, if you were offended by anything we said about Jesus-loving homosexuals, good. Go away, <laughs> listen to something else. I hear there are some lovely offerings from many megachurches, yes. political action organizations that you might yes. enjoy, so good for you. Enjoy. All right, so we appreciate you listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, we're running a limited time offer. Get a hand-printed My Heart is Whole Ephesians 1-4 journal for, made by Lee. You can get that by signing up for Bridgebox. That's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. If you're already a subscriber, you can get that by giving a one-month gift donation and giving a gift Bridgebox to someone. We'll have that link up in a couple of weeks and ready to give that to you. So just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Speaking truth through potato chips. Ah!